Hey everybody, this is Jeff Stevens and this is the Creative Stick Up. Uh, if you've been in the advertising business for any length of time, at some point you've thought to yourself, wow, how can I make money on my ideas? Uh, how can we make money, non-hourly rate-based revenue on the ideas we create? Most agencies are compensated uh, by the hour and that's how we make money. But if you've been in the game long enough, every agency has started to think of how can we start getting paid for ideas, the value we create. Uh, my guest today is a good friend, Brad Karsten, who's a principal down at Javelin and No Coast Originals. And uh, I think he's got a way in to figure this out. So Brad's going to talk a little bit about that, how he got going, um, all the uh, his band of merry pranksters, and how they've done it. So uh, have a listen. This is Brad Karsten. This is Jeff Stevens, and uh, we are up here in the Beehive co-working space above Brennan's. And if you've never been up here, it's awesome. It's a beautiful view of probably the only intersection in St. Louis that I would say is city, right? Like, yeah. Right? Maryland and Euclid. It's just hopping all the time. It's our two blocks of Greenwich Village. <laughs> it's our two blocks <laughs> of Greenwich Village. Um, so we're, it's a little noisy, but it's awesome. So that's why we're going to do it here, because it's inspiring. And today I've got a good friend of mine and a great talent, uh, someone I've known for a long time, runs an agency, does a lot of interesting things, Brad Karsten. Say hello, Brad. Uh, thanks for having me, Jeff. Yeah. This well, is I, fun. Yeah. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah. Um, you, you have owned an agency for how long in this town? Uh, we're going on 17 years. Wow. Javelin was the agency we started uh, way back then, 98. 98, okay. And um, that's been in continuous operation, although in a few different spots, always in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, West End. Um, so you've been here. We actually started out uh, in, like this, in shared space at the old Zipatoni. Oh, you're kidding, yeah. Yeah, down on Washington. With the big globe, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. big uh, tomato and yeah. all that. Yeah. And uh, when Nordy and Mitch and Jack were, were running it and they brought us in and uh, knew we were starting a company and Jim Holbrook. Yep. Um, and about five, six months later, we, we got our ass behind us and we were able to move down uh, off of uh, Lindell and Union by Forest Park. Okay. And we were between a couple buildings there for many years. Oh, yeah. And then uh, five years ago, yeah. uh, we moved down to Locust. Yeah. Um, and that's where we've been this last, uh, last yeah. run. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, well, it's, I think anybody that has had an agency, you know, it's like a restaurant. You're open for over a year. I don't know what the, the cutoff is for an agency where you're like, wow, this is an accomplishment. 17 years is a damn good run. And still, you know, doing some interesting, really interesting things, right? Yeah. I mean, and same partners, or, I mean, mostly. Mostly the same partners. Yeah. We, we, we reconfigured things a little bit, uh, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, under some duress, but we, yeah. we, got, we got that straightened out. Yeah. Um, about seven years ago, yeah. Um, but it's still my same partners. We've added a couple of, yeah. uh, of junior ones. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the same staff. Yeah. And um, you know, you got to get lucky mm -hmm. um, to get seven, just to get the first year. Right. I mean, you got to get lucky, yeah. and then along the way, you got to catch some breaks. Yeah. But um, just not giving up. Yeah. Is the key. Yeah. 
and knowing that if it collapses and goes back to just the few partners yeah. and you start over again, yeah. just knowing you'll always do that, yeah. I think is the reason you don't get there. Yeah. So did you? So the the amount of faith you must have in these people you've done this with, you know, I know your partners are all terrific. Yeah, I have totally to, to go through fire yeah. with them, and you've gone through everything. Everything. And we've, we've been through big ups and downs. Yeah. Obviously, our economy has been a roller coaster for a number of years, yeah. and and you know you're going to take those rides. And uh, we've had clients for 15 years. We've had clients for 15 days. I mean, it's it's yeah. that type of business. It mm-hmm. started out as an experiential marketing business. So yeah, that's where you guys of, all came from. Yeah, we came out of that space, worked, uh, we're all senior people at another agency and then uh, had a Black Friday and threw, threw, threw ourselves out and yeah. started our own thing. Good for you. And, um, you know, and that was the big gut check. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, about six months to live. Right. And uh, put our houses and everything we owned on yeah. the line. Yeah. And um, would you recommend that's got that's how you do it? That's mo- a lot of the stories I've heard. You got to do that, right? You got to go all in. Yeah, I mean, unless you're really like tied into private equity or yeah, something, yeah. where you're going to get that, they're just going to give you that check. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really no other way to do it. Yeah, um, I knew a guy um, used to be a big staffing guy in our business, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Gunderson. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Steve yeah. Gunderson, Gunderson Partners, and. He was uh, sort of a rabbi to me, and he just said, "Look, man, you got to step off the cliff." Yeah. And he goes, "There's no other way around it. Right. You you take the shot or you don't." Right. And pretty much everyone I've met um, that started their own thing yeah. um, had the exact same moment. Yeah. They just did, and I've known guys that have sort of left big agencies and kind of found investors, mm-hmm. and 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 they're you know they're not really around anymore. Right. I and mean, that stuff just isn't there. Yeah. And um, it makes it, it probably doesn't, you don't personally have as much at stake or you're not as hungry or something, right? You gotta, yeah, it's uh, know. you know, the great thing about fear is that it, it drives focus <laughs> and uh, <laughs> things slow down and you, and you really have to, yeah. you know, you're paying attention yeah. to everything. And um, you know, we got we we got hooked up with good attorneys and we got hooked up with good accountants, and you learn the stuff that you need to know, but yeah. the main thing is just getting clients yeah. and and keeping that rolling yeah and we were fortunate enough to do that yeah. and that propelled us yeah. and um, you know here we are you look back 17 years it's it's pretty remarkable from just four people yeah I mean I remember when we hired our very first employee what yeah. that was like to have four people four partners sitting around discussing yeah. oh my god you know we're gonna take on an employee um, and then now it's 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 just a totally different it's a totally different mindset. I yeah. mean, once you've been doing it for this long, mm-hmm. um, and so it really is a lot like riding a bike. Yeah. Where you, you can sense problems coming. You can yeah. figure stuff out. Yeah. Um, you 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 have sort of an intuitive uh, uh, understanding of your finances mm-hmm. and what you're what you're able to to actually spend on and yeah. not spend on, and you don't have to sit through a lot of analysis. Right. You just kind of you know. You got a vibe. Yeah, you, you got know, a vibe, you, you know. Yeah. Um, you, your finger's on the pulse all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you, for me anyway, and it drives my wife nuts, but I have been, and this is a God's honest truth, I have been convinced that we, for the last 17 years, we we're going to go out of business in six months. This is your mindset. I this can't is shake who you are. It. I can't shake it. Right. In six months, you're out of business. In six months, we're going to go out of business. And so how do you behave? It. What does that make you do? 
it just oh I'm just I'm, I'm you know nervous I'm, yeah you know I'm hyper vigilant yeah. uh, I, uh, I I worry a lot yeah. um, I uh, I become very concerned that great opportunity is going to be lost mm-hmm. because of a lack of uh, financial resource because mm-hmm. something else is going to go yep. go aside yep. you know the best laid plans of mice and men and um, and guys like us we 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 we're always seeing, you know, new opportunities. We're mm-hmm. just always looking at that type of stuff and then trying to figure out how to get to it or make it happen. And, um, you know, the business world is fickle and yeah. it can shut you down on stuff that you know would have been yeah. just a remarkable yeah. thing to take a shot at. Yeah. Um, and you can't. And so that's the stuff that, you know, yeah. the stuff that keeps me up at night is what's the shot we didn't take? Yeah. Not the mistakes. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that way? Do you have a lot of regrets? Like, oh, I wish we could have gotten into that or just time goes? Cause yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it, mostly where we got into it too late. Gotcha. Like starting our own business. Yeah. Like starting Javelin. Mm-hmm. I was in my... You should have gotten in earlier. Yeah, I was in my early mid-40s. Yeah. And, and it was like, I, why was I afraid to do this in my 30s? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I should have never been afraid like that. Yeah. You know? Um and it wasn't in my script really to start a business. My whole family was, you know, blue collar, uh, yeah. you know, upper middle class, uh, a lot of union, um, you know, work for the company, get a pension, get a retirement type stuff. There were, there were no entrepreneurs yeah. in my family. Yeah. Um, so it was a big break with sort of my own personal culture to yeah. go do this. Uh, and now I look back and go, why didn't I? Yeah. And then uh, for us, I mean, um, we started a reality television yeah, business we're, and unscripted I, we're going to talk about that I love that yeah uh, and one of the biggest yeah so just to set that up one of the biggest reasons I think and I know you know when John Maurice who's a really good friend joined mm-hmm. your crew probably seven years ago right? it was it? seven years ago yeah. yeah and then brought over Charlie and, the, and just this incredible talent that you guys have over there mm-hmm. um, to, to take your agency where a lot of people want to go and ultimately what you guys have gotten into is developing intellectual property across the board your own products, mm-hmm. your own television shows, your own storytelling devices, and and to me that is the magic of what a lot of creative people mm-hmm. want to see have happen. So yeah, just tell me anything about how you did that, or, was, um, or this, you saw that, or did it come together? Was this a vision you had? Yeah, it it started long before I ever met John. Okay, and and, uh, and you introduced us to John yeah. when we we needed a creative director yeah. when we reshuffled, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but long before that, I mean, as as Javelin, we were pr- producing large scale events yeah. that, uh, in some instances, turned into televised content. So the seeds of this this idea for this company. Although not necessarily in the unscripted realm, but the the seeds of getting into yeah. content. Yeah, and this is no coast originals, which I'm no sure. No coast originals, which we started um, five years ago. Yes. Um, and that's our television production company. Mm-hmm. The seeds of that began um, way back when we did a an event for VH1, okay. uh, Lift Ticket to Ride, okay. where they brought a bunch of uh, musicians and and top industry execs out to Vail. And uh, we would throw uh, a big party for them every night mm-hmm. and create sort of fun events for all these people to do. It was a big schmooze for VH1, really. But they televised it all and developed content out of it and aired it over uh, a special over several weeks, right? Yeah. And we sat there and went, my God, we're creating these things right. and someone else is airing them. You know, we should do this for ourselves. 
well, we were just kind of hamstrung by the work we were doing and, and the group that we had, and there was just no, there was no real way to make that happen. Yeah. But it always stuck with me yeah. that um, th- that that experiential marketing was talking this talk of of being this content, this robust experience, this thing that people would really want to be involved in, to touch and to feel. And it was like, and if we're creating these things. You know, a lot of people may want to actually experience them vicariously, you know, to watch them. Yeah, yeah. And there wasn't a lot of YouTube, there wasn't a lot of, of real uh, content that, as we know it now yeah. going out and yeah. around. Yeah. Um, but there was opportunity on cable television yeah. to maybe provide stuff. So we stumbled, we tried. And you had a lot of cable television clients. We did. We did a lot of work so for cable television. So we knew the business yeah. from the marketing side. Yeah, yeah. And um, what we needed to do was learn it from the content provider side. And our first mistakes were we went at it as an agency with sponsor ideas to try to get shows on. Yes. We did that with Golf Channel and it just it just wasn't the way. I remember this. Was that the Caddy Caddy program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a McLoeb. You, we all pitch that to Michael Walter at some point. Right, right, right. Which and, is fine. Right. And that's the wrong way to go about it because they don't want you to take their sponsors. Well, it's not even taking their sponsors. It's that you, you start talking to a group there that has absolutely no sway over what's going to get on the right. air. And, the wrong door. and then they try to get you over yeah. to that side. And really it all comes down to just, and this is my entrepreneurial side talking, you're getting into large organizations and corporations and they're just horribly dysfunctional in their own little fiefdoms and, yeah. and, and fights and, and their own little territories. So it's, you know, jets and sharks and fuck all that. I yeah. mean, you know, you just, it's just, the fact of the matter is you're, you're not going to win the day going that yeah. way, right? Yeah. So um, we, we still had this, this idea that we wanted to get out with something. And, and the way it all really happened for us was John Maurice yep. and Charlie Smith and you yeah. and uh, other guys had started a brand called Trim. Yep. Uh, really great uh, fashion forward men's line of uh, hot rod inspired yep. clothing. Yeah, right? which, yeah, I'll say that the cool, and this is mostly John and Charlie. I was kind of along for the ride, but I had, had a wonderful time doing it. But it was uh, classic American hot rods, the, the detailing and the vinyl and the interiors, we would take that and put it on t shirts. That was the core of this. And yep. obviously, Charlie's beautiful designs and uh, a brand that I wish we knew now. What we, you know, all the learnings we could. Oh we my God. that today, right? I still want it resurrected, I, I, and I, I still think there's a play for that. I, I really do, because we just we, yeah, we did not know anything about how to make clothing, and that's where it all went awry. It but it was yeah. John. John put his heart and soul into that thing. Yeah, and I mean, and, was, and that's the thing that you know, the economy tank, deeply invested, yeah. right? And then boom, yeah. you know, uh, every once in a while that comet's going to hit, right? Yes, and right. that's way beyond your control. Yeah. And you got to pivot. And um, what happened there was serendipity. So we were looking, and John had us looking at developing a television show around hot rod culture, obviously, because they had a real passion around it. And also the art, the music, the stuff around speed shops. Yeah, right? Yeah. And we were looking at a place in Austin and reaching out to them to talk about, you know, maybe doing a concert series down there or what. We were just kind of feeling our way around on how to get into this space and develop a show that we could go out and pitch. And out of nowhere, this guy Richard Rawlings calls. Yeah. Finds us, right? Calls John. And Richard Rawlings is famous now. 
Yes, he's but famous then, now. He was infamous. Right. He okay. was infamous as a rally car driver. Rally car driver. This is the guy that won the yeah. gumball rally yeah. and set the record for it. And and the cannonball run. Yeah. Okay, he's won a bunch of gumball rallies. He set the the record for yeah. the cannonball run coast to coast. That infamous one they made the movies on. Yeah. He's the winner of that many, many times. Yeah. The guy is an incredible driver. Yeah. So and he was doing road rallies and he's all around just a crazy bastard, right? <laughs> And he calls us up and, and he found at some boutique where trim still was being sold in Dallas. Yeah. He's out of Dallas. Yeah. Said he wanted this stuff. And uh, he wanted to uh, trick out the car he was going to have in the gumball rally. He wanted to wear the stuff. He just absolutely loved it. And we're on the call and we're like, well, Richard, we just, we just, as the Javelin partners, had invested in trim. Yeah. And we're like, man, we just, we don't have any money to pay for a sponsorship. And we'd love to, but we can't. he goes, I don't want any money. He says, I just want the stuff. I love it. Yeah. So we packed up a kit. We sent it to him. And you can still see that stuff. If you if you Google Richard and you look at the gumball rally, yeah. he's in a green uh, Chevy Caprice yeah. that's 700 horsepower called the Vincente Fuckstick. Yeah, I remember that. And he won that thing. And trim, yeah. trim yeah. is all over it and decals. And yeah. he's wearing the T-shirts and yeah. shit. So we said, whoa, Richard, um, what about a television show? Yeah. And that's how Fast and Loud was born. Wow. And um, we collaborated through uh, the network that our good friends here in St. Louis, uh, Cool Fire. Yep. They were they had just finished uh, leveraging uh, their concept for Sweetie Pies. Yeah. Right? So they had just gotten this on the air right around the same time. Right around the same time, and we decided uh, they had already um, chewed some ground up with W WME yep. uh, William Morris yep. and. Uh, uh, we we're looking to do a co-development and maybe together we could, you know, push this show through. And we pitched that show for a year and a half. Richard wanted to get out. I don't know how many times. I, I remember the making of the pitch tape, which is what you do. Yep. We had a big party. Mm -hmm. And I still At have Charlie's apartment. photos of that night with the uh, White Castle cheeseburger incident. And Richard and with long hair yeah, Richard, yep. and yelling yep. at Meredith. Yep. Uh, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, it was a great tape. Great tape. Great it was a great tape. It was so good that no one wanted to buy it for a year and a half. Um, and the true story on that is, which is something I, I just really believe in, which is uh, you take yourself out of the game. Uh, you, and by what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is uh, you only lose when you quit. Yeah. And I remember telling Richard that. I said, you want to quit, that's fine. Yeah. I said, but I don't quit. Yeah. And we might get dusted. We might get knocked back. But we don't ever fucking give up. Yeah. And he bought into that. And uh, 10 networks said no. Discovery said no twice. And the third time they bought it. Now it's the number one show on their network. Number, I know. So think about that. Seven years later, still on the air. Amazing. 135 countries. Unreal. Number one show on Discovery. Yeah. Massive hit. Yeah. Uh, incredible, and there we 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 worked with Richard to develop the uh, Gas Monkey line of apparel. Yep. So a lot of that trim learning yeah, that yeah. could have been useful, okay, yeah, could have been useful. came back. Yeah. But there now, here you have it. You know, like a a, a, an, a failing T-shirt thing mm -hmm. with a business with a lot of passion yeah. leads to something, yeah. and that's where you have to be able to say you're going to take a shot. Yeah, and I, I love. That whole idea of nothing, no idea is ever a waste of time. No matter what happened with trim, it led to this. And and you find that all the time. You just push things out there and then you meet everything, this and everything all leads to like something. That. And you got to keep pushing them. That's yeah. the point. 
right? Yeah, you got to keep you got to keep pushing stuff to make it happen. Yeah, because um, we did the same thing with. Uh, I ended up being a producer on um, the Hatfield and McCoy White yeah. Lightning show for History Channel. Yeah. And did, that, did you guys develop that show? No, that no, just no. Come to you because uh, Cool just, Fire. The guys at Cool okay. Fire Probably. had had brought that show into history, and um, the idea there was uh, since we had had such success yeah. with uh, developing uh, Gas Monkey brand, it was the brand. And loud. Gotcha. We looked at Hatfield and McCoy and said, mm-hmm. "Holy shit, no one's ever done this." Yeah. And we had a lot of spirits business. Our bus is outside. Our bus is here. Okay. They're Time good. to leave? Yeah, no. Um, we, so we had a lot of, as Javelin, we yeah. had a lot of liquor. Experience. You guys had worked on Bacardi, which, uh, which uh, the other thing I was going to talk USA. about. You guys worked on Bacardi for 15, or however 15, long. You, 15 which years. Which is yeah. the longest, I think, any agency on the planet has ever worked with Bacardi. That's true. <laughs> Dead true. That's true. So you knew the spirits business backwards and forth. We knew it. We came up with those guys. We yeah. knew a lot about it. And we also looked at this as a separate venture and an opportunity out of content to build a brand. Yeah. And not every show has a brand in it, but the families had never joined together in business or in a trademark. Never. So there's one of the most recognized names in America, if not the planet, had never joined together. In fact, I'm driving home the other day, and I actually I heard someone referencing Hatfield McCoys on a news channel again. I mean, it's it's in our vernacular. Sure, it is American history. Feuding like the Hatfields and McCoys. It's in the song. It's it's a saying. It's whatever. The show Family Feud was based on the Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah, yeah. So I'll shorten this up. We looked at the opportunity to uh, create a whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, because whiskey was hot, still mm-hmm. is hot, and is going to be hot. Yep. And everyone would expect a moonshine, but it wasn't the best play. Yeah. Um, for many reasons. Yeah. Uh, my the foremost one being moonshine's an illegal spirit. When it's legal, it's not moonshine anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, because so, it's just the proof's too high. Right. Yeah. You can sure you can make stuff and put it in a jar yeah. and say, but. Is it really? So any of the moonshine that I see at my local liquor not that I'm there. It's probably a great white corn whiskey. That's what it is. It's a white corn whiskey. But moonshine is a handcrafted, illegally made stuff out of the still, right? And that's why it's white lightning, right? Because it's dangerous to drink it. You can blow your car up. You can run your car car on it. You can blow your car up with it. You can do a lot of stuff with it. So we went with the whiskey, and uh, there's another one where there were many opportunities to just throw in the towel. Yeah. Uh, families bickering, legal challenges, all kinds of stuff. So you put these two feuding families together. Yep. In a business relationship. Yep. To create a product, and you guys are uh, have a piece of this. Hat we have the IP whiskey, on it, and yeah. it's everywhere. It's in forty-four states now. Yes. And uh, in a year, we went coast to coast. Unreal. And um, it's doing extremely well. Uh, it's a magnificent product, and the history books will. Will asterisk me as having single-handedly reigniting the Hatfield and McCoy feud because yeah. these people will go at each other. That's fine. So they still feud. Over they, didn't, they didn't really hang around each other very much at all. Not for any other reason than they just didn't. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're back in business. Well, together. there's money, you know, yeah. and that brings out the best <laughs> and the worst of people. So we did that, and then um, and then that taught us that with Richard Rawlings and yeah. Gas Monkey. Um, Maybe there was a play there, and Richard actually said, "What the hell are you doing a whiskey with these other people? Why? What's with me? Yeah. Forgive my fake Dallas Forgive accent. Forgive your awesome Richard Rollins. That's yeah. kind of, I got it. I saw. That's how he talks. And uh, <laughs> you got the we one. met over dinner here in St. Louis at Moonrise. He okay. was in to do uh, an O'Reilly. He's a spokesman for O'Reilly Auto yeah. Parts, 
he was in to do a big uh, to-do for them. And uh, in 15 minutes, I just said, Richard, you're a tequila. You're from Texas. You drink tequila. Yeah. Uh, you're not anything but a tequila. You drink Miller Lite, you drink champagne, and you drink tequila. Yeah. And we can't go out with a champagne. No. And we you already have a beer. Right. Which is Miller Lite. Yeah. You're a tequila. And we decided we would do a cinnamon or a, or a, uh, a Texas habanero or a Texas grapefruit flavor. Yeah. And we went to the folks we know in the spirits business and we crafted one and uh, no bullshit, 90 days later we were on shelf in Dallas. Wow. wow. Cleared federal uh, Which labeling. Is, clear. It's a record. Probably a record. Right. I was gonna say, and, just, and you know the way that happens. It's a cinnamon tequila. It's a cinnamon infused tequila. It's a 100% blue agave yeah. tequila. Mm-hmm. But it's made in the U.S. And here's why. Unless you bottle that tequila in Mexico and label it there, mm-hmm. you can't say it's made in Mexico. Okay? It's part of this old NAFTA trade yeah. liquor type deal. So it's all up. It, it's so the liquids from Mexico. Liquids, liquids from a very old uh, tequila Kill. distillery in Hylesco. Gotcha. And um, we bring it into Did the states. Did you go down there to check it out? Have you been there? Oh, we sent the guys that are our spirits experts oh, down yeah. to do. You could have taken me down there, and I would have went. Awesome. Sure. <laughs> so it's fine. Um, I have no idea, right. but these guys knew an old distillery because they've been in the business forever. They worked with these guys before. Yeah. They got down, they cut the deal, the liquid comes in, we infuse it with natural uh, uh, cinnamon extract. Yeah. So it's not a chemical product, yeah. right? And uh, it's 69 proof. Which, why wouldn't it be? It, it's, Get Richard, it? it's Gas Monkey Tequila, because <laughs> that's Richard's favorite year of car, and it's the year he was born. I love it. Right. Right. So, uh, and so, but it's a lower alcohol, so you can okay. enjoy it longer, which yeah. is, it's Richard sh- wanted that. Yeah, you shoot it, which is You great. do shots, yeah. and Richard wanted something that people could enjoy drinking, not feel bad drinking yep. it, that was of super high quality, and he wanted it made in America. He's an American guy, he's yep. a son of Texas. And he wanted a Texas flag and made in America. And people that know us, we're real all-American, Americana guys. Yeah. That's right in our yes, wheelhouse. Yes. And we wanted that too. Cool. So we did that. And that's in 40-something states. Wow. Rolling crazy. Richard has it on the show. But again, the thing there is, you know, this is, you've got to find money. You've yeah. got, we've entered into the world of private equity. And we're yeah. trying to... So now, now that you're at that point, you, you have credibility. Just if you're out there... Thinking, I'm going to try this. I've got some ideas. I want right. you guys have. It's a little bit of luck, a little bit of relationships, but a lot of really good ideas. I mean, you got to have the thing that has dri- driven this. Whole it's got to make sense. Yeah, yeah. it's all got to make it's sense. It's got to make sense. And so, are you getting money from private equity now to fund these sorts of things? We have. We've yes. been out. We've gone to several venture groups, and really, it's because we have accelerated growth. It's yeah. not to pay ourselves back. We're into this thing. For you had to start making money first. All the deals were done. Then it's easier to go. Hey, I mean, here we are, 17 years later. We're back with our houses on the line. <laughs> okay, so it's a big craps game, yeah. and we're putting a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, we we bet the eight, and yep. now we're backing it up, right? Yep. So, yep. and and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, if you're going to make a bet, you got to be able to back it up, yep. and and no one's going to give you money unless you're in. Yeah. And no idea is that good that, okay. that people just can't wait to give you their money without anything of yours in it. Yes, you need to get in the game. Right, and you've got to prove. That now maybe there is something out there that's like that. I've never seen it, but you've got to demonstrate that you're in for a penny and for a pound, mm-hmm. and that convinces those who want to come on board for the ride that you believe in it, right? Yeah. And that's what we've all done mm-hmm. because we really believe in these things. 
So the mission for us collectively has been not to how much can we squeeze out of our billings and our agency or at the end of the year, how much can we put in our pockets? It's how much can we invest in something else that could get even bigger? Yeah. And that's a very different mindset than yeah. a lot of places have. Yes. And and it's, it's probably why at really talented agencies that will go nameless, but you guys and John know that you've all worked at them, mm -hmm. they have a real reticence to invest in taking a shot. They absolutely do. Because they're held, you know, to that, to, they're chained to that bottom line. Yep. And if that fails, that's a bad mark against them. Mm -hmm. So instead of having the mission be take a lot of good chances and grow our business, the mission is don't fuck up. Yeah. And sure. that's playing a hole. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're very good at playing a hole. Yeah. Well, it's and it's funny if there's in our business we are the best at creating ideas, developing ideas, seeing the market. We are good bets, or you you should feel confident in your ideas. Yeah, you you know what works. You have a feeling at this point, you know. Yeah, and, and I agree. Agencies just have this. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's, to a, that, it's right? a collective thing, and it's it's really crazy because you know there is in there this uh, fermenting desire yeah. among yeah. creative directors and artistic yeah. that would love to come forward to management with really yeah. good stuff. To make stuff happen and all they want is a piece of it and to see their yeah. their idea flourish yeah. right yeah. and they won't get it i know and that's the sure. best place for that organization to do that yeah. but they don't yep and in so many ways that's what we're we're trying to teach organizations now is to how to how to create the environment where that can happen right yeah and it's tough it's at the top yeah it's there already you're right. in all these organizations and I don't know all the ones you talk yeah, to yeah but you just you've worked with but they're there yeah. the people that have these ideas that yeah. have their fingers on the pulse mm -hmm. of, of what's going on in subcultures mm -hmm. and, and cool cultures and I don't even talk about trends yeah. I'm talking about real dynamics in, in the cultural experience that they know yeah. and that they know there are products or services or experiences that would really tap into that and be worthwhile they are thwarted yeah. And and that really is is the fault of leadership. That is on management's head because they don't allow that to come up. They are not risk takers. They got there by playing it safe. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, and it's almost like it's impossible to do that anymore just in the business environment if you're not changing, innovating, evolving quickly. Forget it, right? Yeah, I mean I see the only guy and from a distance, I've had a couple of tweet chats with him is Alex Bogeski and his yeah, guys out yeah. there in Boulder. Yeah. They seem to be doing, you know, some of that and they've yeah. taken their shot at some products yep. and you know, they want to do that. But then they also, you know, they laid in that product with all these heavy, you know, agency fees and stuff to to sort of hedge the bet like yeah. we really want to get behind this idea but we have to make sure our agency gets paid its yeah. full fee first yeah. you know that sort of thing and you guys don't do that you we don't we don't you're no. just in we're we're in we do the play for for the long for the long play we're in for the flip yeah so we are building something a lamb to be slaughtered at some point yeah and we are not looking at all to um Make the to money sort of, to make the money as we go along, and there's a reason for that, and and that is that you will stifle growth, you will you will strangle the brand, you put too many weights on it, and um, it just can't get where it needs to go yeah. when it has to pay rent, yeah. and um, and that's the thing that I think that these 
larger organizations and agencies in particular, um, they already have an infrastructure. They have rooms, yeah. they have lights, they have Wi-Fi, they have coffee. They've got everything they need to let a group of people try to take a project and do a skunk works, yeah. right? Yeah. And just run with some shit. Yeah. And work late, do it on your own time. You don't have the cash. You still have to do your work for us. Yeah. But we're going to give you enough stuff you need to get. We have legal. We have this. We have yeah. all of that. Yeah. And take it and run with it and let's see. And they're capable of making 15 or 20 bets, yeah. small bets. You yeah. only need two to hit. Yeah. And um, it doesn't happen. What are you betting on now? What's the, what's a, this is interesting. You Agency model, clients, mm -hmm. got into the reality show, television business, making that, still doing that. Mm -hmm. Is the whiskey whiskey and liquor spirits business taking the that over? Are you guys still doing all this stuff? No, we're still doing all of it. Uh, we're out there getting our teeth kicked in regularly in the television business. I mean, it's a very, she's a fickle woman. She is a fickle woman. Very fickle woman. That's, a, that's a crazy business. I mean, you think advertising is a competitive and cutthroat and just whatever the yeah. TV business is tough oh my god <laughs> right. that, that is a belt suspenders right. business if ever there was one um, everyone's afraid of losing their job yeah. yesterday and everything when it goes to air and is a huge bet yeah. right? the whole TV industry is totally being disrupted by streaming I don't think anyone oh. knows what the hell's going on oh. right? no and I mean what it takes to find and and Everyone wants the next new crazy wild hip thing, but nobody wants to do that thing until someone else takes the shot on it. Right. I mean, I'm not a fan of the show, but Duck Dynasty was should have never happened. Yeah. Because nobody would have bought that show. And, and, and nobody wanted anything like it. And somehow it got on the air. And all of a sudden, yeah. every network wants their version of Duck, Duck Dynasty, Dynasty, right? Yeah. So it's a very Me Too business. Yeah. And people change... Uh, uh, places a lot mm -hmm. and once you change you know now you're the new leader of a group at a different network well anything they've thought of before your arrival must be crap. terrible or yeah. crap right yeah. it's same with creative directors yeah. or whatever right yeah. or it's cmos yeah, cmos not. come in how could there have ever been anything good before me right and that is the you guys have been caught in that a bunch it's terrible yeah yeah and you do get caught in it yeah. and um there's uh, and they did, there's a great phrase uh, from a, a book that really is marvelous for business and entrepreneurs, but it has a military basis. I think I recommended it to you once. It's called uh, The Mission, The Men, and Me. Okay. It's by Pete Blaber. He's a Delta Force commander, and he wrote what he learned in being a commander of elite warriors. And it's a lot of humor. It's a lot of brain. It's what you do not expect Delta Force to be. Yeah. Is a lot of brainstorming and a lot of ball busting. Yeah. And a lot of free thinking. Yeah. And and his one of his great lines is don't get treated by a chihuahua. And so many times that's what you see is you are hung up on some little thing. And that's what happens. You you know, people get hung up on a focus group. You know, yeah. this this they missed the big picture. This crazy cat lady from Des Moines yeah. didn't like that character. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? You know, I mean with our with our products, we did yeah. no focus groups. Yeah. I love that. You told me that. Oh, good for you. We did no focus. The families of the Hatfield and McCoys. Yeah. The families themselves. The ones who have the genetic, the, the DNA, right? Yeah. The historical DNA, the which taste. is their taste buds, right? That's right. That goes all the way back. Right. Grandson to grandson to grandson yeah. forever. They decided what was going in the bottle. That's awesome. They That's decided. Awesome. And and with, with Richard's tequila, yeah. Richard, Richard, his sister, and two people he knows that like tequila... 
tried it. And we gave it to someone who knew a young a bunch of young people, gave a bottle, and they took it out, and a bunch of young kids drank it one night and thought it was great. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, that's your focus group. What more do you need to know? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Right. You can get you can get bogged down in you, yeah. You just see ideas get bogged down all the time and stuff like that. Well, it's all cover your ass stuff, and it's all and it's fake knowledge. I mean, there's another great great book out there uh, that I highly recommend called The Black Swan. Okay. And um, its whole premise is that we have these these uh, uh, systems that we all operate around that are fake knowledge. Uh, a lot of statistics, yeah. uh, focus group studies. Uh, uh, a lot of stuff is just fake. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. yeah. And and that you know everyone's looking for the black swan, and, and it comes from a from a, a Latin phrase is where is a black swan in the land? And yeah. It's that anomaly. What's yeah. the pet rock? What's yeah. the what's the duck uh, the duck dynasty? Yeah. Right. What's yeah. the, that thing that yeah. just is all of a sudden boom yeah. and it's there? Yeah. And um, you can't manufacture it. Yeah. You have to be able to recognize it. And if you're in that mindset of statistically proving, analyzing, or understanding, you'll never see it. Yeah. It's going to go right by you. It's going to go right it's going to sail right by you. Yeah. That's crazy. It just is. So what's next for us yeah, is um, in this same mindset, we're, we're looking at shows that should we be fortunate enough and they sell. There's some brands that are sort of... Um, inherent in those that we that we would really like to take you know out mm-hmm. to the next level mm-hmm. and um, and on our on our javelin side there's a lot more of going back to that old time with with that VH1 example I used of really driving uh, content mm-hmm. crafting experiences purely for the content that a brand can leverage to a digital audience and so it's not about how many samples did you give out. It's about how many people. And really, I don't really believe that much in uh, looks, you know, or likes or, or views. Mm-hmm. It's how much did people comment? How much did people interact? Yeah. How much was there? What was the engagement? Yeah, yeah. what was the engagement yeah. on it? And um, and that's what you're trying to craft there. So that's where we're we're really looking to take that, you know, that thing. So we're staying with these three plays. Um, there were. You know, the Javelin's the old one. The other two are still pretty young. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll see where they go. Hopefully they hit soon so I can retire and get out of the way and let the young guys that came in. You'll be on the golf course somewhere. Well, it's like the late, it's like the great, uh, uh, not late, forgive me, the great Jack Thorwegan used to say all the time, you know, how does this affect my retirement? (laughs) Um, and uh, that, that's how I analyze stuff right now, yeah. which I'm probably retiring at 80. But um, th- that's the mission is to is to get success with these things so they become enduring properties. Yeah. And, and for an agency like Javelin to actually plant seeds and then harvest their own clients. I mean, Hatfield McCoy is a client of Javelin. Yeah. And, and Gasman Tequila will become a client of, of Javelin. And the brands that come out of things we develop will become... Clients. So we're trying to grow our own new business yeah. while you still look for something. That's brilliant. Yeah. Buddy, I appreciate you sitting down. Hope it helped. Yeah, that was good. Well, I just think anyone out there listening, it's you can you can take these ideas and make them, man. 
and do them, and I love it. Yeah, just you gotta take the shot. You gotta take the shot. And you gotta don't be a get, gambler. Don't get treated by a chihuahua. Don't get treated by a chihuahua. <laughs> you want to learn how to gamble? Go play a little craps. Is a good game to start with. It's a great game. Chess and craps are the two best things for starting a business. There you go. I love it. <laughs> All right, I'm, and I will uh, get John on here at some point soon. Yeah, yeah. You need him to sit down too. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Buddy. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.